Well, it's really not that simple. It's never just black and white. There's always a little bit of gray. And that's because everyone stands in the gray zone and observes their black and white. There are no-go and so-go zones. Now, yesterday, I wanted to have a New Year's Day movie night because it was very important to watch this movie. Because I think I'm going to destroy a lot of perceptions about what people have seen. The only way to write your story, to write your history, every single moment that goes by, is by having knowledge. So, rather than have it yesterday, since it is a no script year, I thought we can have yesterday today. So, those of you listening on audio only, You'll be able to hear this. Those of you watching it will enjoy it. I think this is a very underrated and not watched whistleblowing compilation that is imperative that every person in the United States watches. Get ready. You're about to have your mind blown. So what's going on? You didn't come down here with no cameras, no. I asked you that earlier. I no, said, you didn't. I, I said, don't I come down here with no goddamn cameras and stuff. Hello? I told you I didn't want my face on this shit. Even if your face is shown, how would somebody come after you? Nobody You'd be surprised who knows me. Everybody in Brooklyn know me. But they don't know where you and are. And they know me in Harlem, too. They know my but face. But they don't know where you are. I might not even make no fucking independent film. Motherfuckers come after me. Ms. Ready? I don't like the word inform. consider myself as a civilian operative. The public is not supposed to know I work for them. I don't exist. I'm a spook. A ghost. So what am I going to do with this? I'm going to show you. Patience. Patience, little one. Patience. Cool. Still a calico. You're not a butterfly yet. Dude, you got to have that magic touch. Just like that. Down there, there. I'll take it inside. You just take care of that one. Bring it over a little bit. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Right. Yeah, I got a gut feeling about this, and you know, exactly. What happened with that FBI? They called me to do an assignment in Pittsburgh. Whatever the case may be, if they want me to do surveillance, I'm going to do it, you know. I need the money. I need the money. Let's go. Whatever this case comes out, 
If it's worth 200000 I'm going to give it all to my son. I kind of messed up last time. I mismanaged all my money, at least over two, 300000 So this is my second chance. I'm going to take advantage of it. What is the map on the wall? Why is the what? Why is the map on the wall? Find my locations around here. Is there significance to the red lines? Yes, 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 yes. It's regarding the work I do. No, I'm going to give you the picture. I'm going to put them up on here. It'll be better for you because I don't want to explain nothing to you. You got it. That's it. Don't ask no question who they are. I'm giving you something that you shouldn't be seeing anyway. You know something? I know, you always getting fucking headshots. Didn't you say you wanted to do this project? Yeah, don't you ever give us a break? Now I can see why no fucking celebrities don't like Pazarazzi. You're not gonna tell us anything? No, I mean, these are just, these are all targets. That's in suspected areas. For some reason, they got a big population of Muslims that come from the various countries over there to come to school here. Moroccans, Somalis, Iranians. Saudis, and then they all go back from where they come from. I don't have no feelings for them. You're making the Islam look bad. You gotta go. In a new book called The Terror Factory, Trevor Aronson documents how the Federal Bureau of Investigation has built a vast network of informants since 9-11 and how those new FBI tactics work within the delicate balance between civil liberties and domestic safety. You know, before 9-11, the FBI investigated crimes after they occurred. And then, then after 9-11, the mandate on the FBI was never again. And so what they're trying to do now, unlike before, is stop crimes before they happen. And these sting operations are how they do that. How many informants did they employ before 9-11? Under Hoover, during the COINTELPRO days, the FBI had 1,500 informants. And then after 9-11, there was an explosion up to 15,000. Hasn't the FBI actually recruited criminals and conmen? Absolutely. You know, the best informants are kind of the worst people. A federal court judge describes informants to me as sociopaths because they require them to build these very close relationships and then betray them for personal means. They want to make a big bus. And they want to bust this guy and whoever else is his associates regarding that. Just gave me this picture and told me, look, this is the POI. What is POI? Person of interest. His name is Khalifa. They suspect that he might be involved in individuals dealing with domestic terrorism. Right now, I would like to make this my last assignment. I want to spend the rest of my little bit of time with my son, not thousands, eight hundred something miles away. Have you made contact with the POI? Yeah, I bumped into him by accident on my own. I just haven't been walking because I was going to go to Goodwill. The bus stop was right there. And I happened to see him and his wife, so I walked over there and greeted them. The second time I met him, with a brother named uh, Jamil, Afrocentric shop. And at that point, we exchanged numbers. He gave me his card, which contained his email. 
his website and the things that he do the Shabayan teaching something what does Al-Shabaab mean in Arabic? it's supposed to be students but in Somali the word Shaban is linked to a terrorist group he wasn't Muslim all the time he's a thug always fighting with the police he did time does he think you're new to Pittsburgh? he know I'm new to Pittsburgh why does he think you're here? to do work for Red Cross search and rescue do you know how this guy first came to their attention? the way I see him running around here now it would make any motherfucker suspicious he's walking around looking like a Taliban my name is Khalifa Al-Akili and I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, United States of America. Darkuf, the belly of the beast. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. His whole concept is about the government. He don't like the government. Why must we never forget 9-11 people killed, murdered, or die every single day? So he has a hatred toward the government. He doesn't really go out and speak in public about that. He does it on Facebook. Go right here. Right here. The target lives right around the corner from you? That's right. Most of the time, they just so you get close to the target. If you can get in the same apartment, same apartment building, two or three blocks proximity. Twice a week, the agents tell me, yo, he gonna be here, he gonna be there. Cause it's obvious they're tapping his phones. These agents there is a little slow. They're not used to dealing with so-called domestic terrorist individuals. They ain't like New York. I really want to get into a bakery. That's what I really want to do. I want to specialize in custom cupcakes. in with someone who's a master baker I'll be his apprentice what was your meeting with the agents? the meeting was, was somewhat brief and yeah, they said you know to gather information gather intel you know the interest of national security then I shall oblige by gathering that information and taking it to my superiors who at this time will be paying me some money. What is the character that you're playing with Khalifa? I'm not playing no character. I'm playing, I'm playing who I am. You know, a Muslim brother who was involved with the Black Panther Party. That, that image there. I joined the Black Panther Party, if I remember correctly. It was during the spring time, yeah, around 1967. At that time, I was a little fly kid, wearing fly clothes. So I'm looking for, you know, like a pack. You always want to look to be a part of a group, a family, or fraternity. We are organizing the community, politically educating them, telling them 
uh, exactly what is going on, not only here and in America. I was interested in what they were saying. With the government can't supply, then we take upon ourselves to get to the people. We're going to walk on this racist power structure, and we're going to say to the whole damn government, stick them up, motherfucker. This is a hold up. We come for what's ours. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover today asserted that of the black extremist groups, the Black Panthers represent the greatest internal threat to the nation. This memo apparently went out to 37 agents. It ordered them to find informers in the black ghettos. It was a command, not a suggestion. The documents describe things like COINTELPRO, the FBI's program to disrupt political extremists. The FBI had the organization under surveillance. There had been efforts to get people inside our meetings. Were you an informant during the Panther days? No. What did the party say about informants? They kill them. Are all of your POIs Muslim? Yes, all the POIs are Muslims. Why do you think that is? I don't know what makes them Muslims. I took my shot in the early 70s. It's a very practical religion, but there are certain things you have to maintain, you know, to help one another in virtues and piety. At this point now, I am struggling with my faith, you know what I mean? Not because I don't believe in the Lord. Things didn't go my way, as I may have planned it to be. And there's times I've been strong, there's times I've been weak. Muslims in this whole area likes this dude. They don't, because he starts trouble. One of you man had to call the police on him to get him out the fucking mosque, but he kept running run off at the mouth. He had nerve to turn around and told the man, he said, you're going you, you to remember this. How do you go about getting someone to talk about jihad? You don't do it that way. You just talk about Islam. You don't do that on the first day you meet. You don't do it on the first week. It might take you two or three weeks. You feel the individual. You see if he got grudges. You find out how he became Muslim. Why did he want to become Muslim? Yeah, satire. You just don't run into a community and expect to get results within a matter of four or six months. You know what I'm saying? I don't have bayah to this mosque, and I don't have bayah to the imam here either. And most people, you have bayah to the imam, that way you can move around with them. I don't have it. Even with this kid, I had to wait till he opened up to say something just to find my way to get in there. Exactly. All right, later. Some of my other cases, other individuals, we had a lot in common. Even though this guy's Muslim, I'm Muslim, but that's that's as far as it goes. He and I has nothing in common at all. Music-wise, politics, culture, none of it. He said that the POI sells books. What kind of books does he sell? He's showing me in his library uh, books on guerrilla warfare and all that. The United States Army Ranger Handbook. 
of dealing with explosives, revolutionary Islamic literature, how to train jihadists, you know, how to fight. I might say, you ever been in the war? You ever been in the military? No. Then how the hell do you know anything about guerrilla warfare? Why do you have it there? Just for show? Try to impress people? So who set up your Facebook account? The FBI. Don't fuck with this shit. They want to push me to do this. All right, what do I do for now? They should have gave you a class. For what class? These fuckers don't know nothing. All they want to do is just try to make a fucking arrest. You know this girl, Victoria Carr? She want to be my friend? I may know you from so-and-so. You don't know me. Let me see how much I know you. Oh, she want to be my friend. Ooh. The POI. I just sent him a request because he didn't want to answer it before. How do I go out on this shit? Have you ever gotten a target that was a friend or a family? Yeah, yeah, Shaw. Shaw was my friend. Was he a friend before he? He was my friend, yes, he was my friend. Yes, he was. Yes, he was my friend. I just, you asked the question three times. I didn't told you. Yes, he was my friend. Proud of him being investigated. In the Shaw case, you're dealing with homegrown African-American Muslims. His father was Captain Joseph Shaw, who was a lieutenant with, with Malcolm X. Florida physician and a self-described martial arts expert from New York are under arrest tonight, charged with plotting to train terrorists for Al-Qaeda. The government says it has the pair in audio tapes wearing a bayat, or oath of allegiance to Osama bin Laden. The complaint alleges Shaw did most of the talking to a government informant wearing a wire. I try to give him warning, try to tell him certain things and leave things alone. Might have felt that he was untouchable. <laughs> Prosecutors contend that Shaw told a government informer that his work as a jazz musician was, quote, the greatest cover. Shaw was introduced to me by an agent while Shaw was doing the gig. I went for bass lessons three times a week in his house. That was my front. And of course, we learned these bass lessons. I'm talking with him. My pitch was that he makes some money, that he makes some alliance with Al Qaeda. And they're looking for certain individuals such as himself, and uh, they'd be willing to pay you for your time, you know. So when I fed him that line, that's what he went at. There, he bit into it. This is Tariq and I at my birthday party. I forget I was either 50 or 51. They had given me a birthday party with a, a stripper. But we will not take pictures of the stripper. Tariq mentioned that he was given this person bass lessons 
And I didn't even know his name. So then when he had said that this particular person needed a place to stay and would I be willing to rent him the apartment downstairs. So I said to Tariq, well, I don't know this person. So he said, well, Ma, I can vouch for him. I said, are you sure? He's, you know, he's doing pretty good. You know, as well as can be expected under the conditions. For 10 years, we've been suffering quietly. They send informants into our community. We stay quiet. We stay afraid. And that only makes our job easier. The longer we stay quiet, the more dangerous it is for our children and our future generations. And so this campaign will be mobilizing people in Muslim communities, black communities, immigrant communities, civil rights communities, everybody together to fight the use of these informants and surveillance. I think Tariq is so hurt because he liked the brother and he trusted the brother. And that's how they work. Informants. Informants to create terrorists. Informants to create situations that don't exist. Informants. Manufactured consent and stories from unwilling participants. You should, we, we're going to continue this documentary now. It's important that you remember that what you're watching today and what you're learning is that people like him don't exist. The FBI creates its own Facebook profiles and Twitter profiles with tweets that look like they're old. I say this so many times. The only time that you will see someone to be an informant or an infiltrator or someone that's working against interests is never. You can never truly know that they're not on your side until they fail. When they fail, they start screaming. They start speaking of injustices and they start creating narratives that aren't true, but that could be considered true. This isn't just the one exposing Al-Shabaab because it was all dumb. We brought Ilhan Omar and her dad here and she's Al-Shabaab. Okay, let's get that straight. This is showing you their methods. They come to you asking for lessons. They can be your friends. They will live around the corner from you. They will come into your little group sessions. And this is why I say, rather than try to push them out, embrace them. If you are weak, you'll be set up. If you're true to what you are standing for, you don't flip-flop, you know what's true. You know what your boundaries are. No violence. No guns. Using your pens. Then nothing they can throw at you can stand. See, like he said, all you had to do was suggest, yeah, we should go rob a bank. All they have to say is, yeah, well, hey, why don't we do this? It's kind of like when Millie Gavin and I were sitting down and we had a guy tell us, hey, let's go break into the White House to bring this information to Trump. And we kind of just looked at him and we were like, what the, no, you go. See, this is, tomorrow's show is going to be a little bit painful for many people. You are watching an informant that was recruited and knows he's an informant, right? 
He is doing his job as instructed. Uh, this guy's probably on the books. That's why he's on a documentary. And this was done in order to anger people to start the whole civil rights thing. That's why they made a documentary out of it. Remember. So if you stand solid in your truth and find yourself and you know you are doing nothing wrong, nothing against the man written laws and obviously cosmic laws, you're fine. So stop worrying. When they fail their operations, they start screaming. They'll recycle things that should have worked. They'll then make allegations. And this is just part of the repetition. You know, you get paid a lot of money to be an informant. And if you're disgruntled and a little bit crazy or you chase a title and tiara, they'll pay you good money. And remember, COVID just hit. So around America right now, there's a lot of people hurting. And they'll be like, yeah, well, maybe they're really evil. Maybe, you know, Joe Schmo is really a terrorist and maybe they're right. I mean, I am getting paid $200,000 to just go hang out with Joe. You have to pay attention to what they're telling you in this documentary, even though it was created to anger the Muslim population because they targeted them because they needed the narrative. They needed to start making a separate. The threat was real. We created ISIS leaders. <laughs> it was real. Osama, Osama with a U trained with the CIA. Again, all you have to do, it's like I told you on New Year's Eve, don't look at the Bible as commandments or orders. They're instructions. Instructions. You're instructed. When you want to soar through the air as a pilot, you don't have a teacher. You have an instructor. When you want to navigate uncharted waters with a boat, you have an instructor, not a teacher. Those are instructions. You should take those instructions and apply them. Right? A pilot doesn't say, oh, yeah. Uh, pull the flaps 20%. No, he's like, can I do them now? Critical thinking with the instructions that his instructor gave him. See, Bible thumpers are the, oh, I got to do it 20 flaps. But if you do it at 20% and you put your flaps now, your drag's going to be crap and boom, you're going to have a problem. So what do you do? Critical thinking in this position at this altitude. I do this normally. This is what the textbook says. But what do I do in this situation? Almost like the Bible, you know? You know, I had a fun joke before we get into the next segment. We were laughing and some guy was like, I'm a Christian guy, you know. You know, you want to get married? <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm not getting married ever. I will never let into my anyone into my life like that again. And and he goes, why not? I'm a Christian man. I said, okay, so how many cows are you going to give my family? He just looked at me. And I was like, <laughs> you're just a Christian in words. You know, there's a difference. Um, I didn't want to insult him straight to his face. But, you know, I did ask him how many cows. And he kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, tomorrow's episode is going to hurt a lot of feelings. I was going to show you that some people are criminal informants. Some people like this guy are criminal informants and assets that are knowing and willing. But there are others that are unknowing 
and unwilling yet still forced to do it. And we're going to touch on a tragic story that a lot of people don't um, haven't seen in the real light. And I think by watching this docu and then tomorrow's show, maybe you'll understand exactly the confusion that's going on. So let's continue with the next part of this documentary. I use the language. If they train me, I will never get what I want to get because they're strictly textbook. There's a difference between telling somebody and making a suggestion. The entrapment is if I go and tell him, yo, come on, let's go rob a bank. And you know that was not his intention. That was my intention. So I'm entrapping him. I don't make the suggestions. I may go and say, damn, there's a lot of money in there, boy. I see all the motherfuckers dropping off all that damn money. And he feeds into it. And he go, shit, I sure like to take that. What about your current target? Are your handlers trying to suggest that you... I don't suggest anything. I wait till as we speak and to get to know each other what we speak about. So when he brought up camping, that was my key opening right there. The door opened up for me to make a suggestion now. I said, yeah, oh, that's cool, man. We can all go camping. I said, you know, why don't we just go a little further? We could train, man, like we do in the military. I said, brother, if you wanted to go and, and fight for the Muslim state, he said, I got to consult my shape. I said, see, that's what's wrong with you, brother. You brothers always talk that jihad stuff, but when somebody give you the opportunity to make a move to fight for, for the Islam, y'all not going to fight for the Islam. Y'all talk that talk, but you won't walk the walk. He's not really a good listener. We go and get some coffee. That motherfucker stole the coffee grinding machine. He stole the coffee urn. And I told him straight up after he done it like his fourth stealing. I said, yo, man, did you consult your sheikh and your imam when you were stealing all that stuff? I ain't got to wear no kufi. I ain't got to wear no kafaya. I ain't got to wear a goddamn thing to say I'm Muslim. I said, that should already been established way before we was born. What drew me to the Islam was more of that militant aspect. That a jihadist was more of a stand-up, take no bullshit. Brothers and sisters, you must be abreast what's happening over the world. You must read. Your first reading is Quran and Sunnah. Nice community, nice community of brothers, man. You know what I mean? Some of them used to be Panthers and some used to be New African, you know, brothers. Amen, Siraj. Me and him used to sit down and talk. We were good friends. All the brothers are good friends. We all types. Just that, that inner circle. The inner circle and the outer circle. I was part of the security council. Crack epidemic was bad, man. It was really bad. We used to clean up neighborhoods, we used to clean up the drug dealers. I provide them intel who all, all the drug dealers would be at. I was an asset to the community. I love it. I love it.
When I first met Saeed, it was around the time that we were dealing with the uh, drug problem here in the neighborhood. We had a very good impression of him. You know, he was very much involved. He was knowledgeable about certain things. He has a very pleasant personality. He's very, very intelligent. Very intelligent. What do you think your reputation at the mosque is now? Oh, man, it's probably, oh, going to kill that motherfucker one shit, boy. I'm going to put mud hole in him, boy. I broke a solemn oath against another Muslim. They don't give a shit if the other Muslim's bad or not. He's a Muslim. Did you know Tariq Shah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was part of this community, too. His family, I mean, beautiful brother. At yesterday's arraignment, an upbeat but shackled Shaw greeted the packed court gallery of supporters and press with the Arabic greeting, May peace be upon you. Out of all the cases I worked on, that was the only one who called me to testify. And I worked on more than eight goddamn cases. A whole bunch of them come out the mosque, who knows me? They couldn't believe it. They said, oh man, not Saeed, no. He'd been with us too long. He saw us, but he would not look in our direction. He saw us, you know. And I don't know what's in a man's heart, but how could you not feel guilty? Imam Suarez put a fatwa out on me, okay? And I'm not going into any details with how the words was pronounced, how he put it in there. He put a fatwa out on it. Now, y'all journalists, y'all know what fatwa is. I ain't going to tell you exactly what words he used, because I don't know exactly what words. I'm getting it from people I know, already told me. One thing about the government, the government would use you and they would drop your ass like a hot motherfucking stone. And don't be a motherfucking convict or they really get over on you then. I spent all my money this week, man. Ain't that a bitch? That's, 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 that's $11. That's all I got, man. Would you consider this full-time work? They consider it full-time. So I don't see no full-time money. What would you say your services are worth? My, my services need to be at least over 3500 What are you basing that rate on? I base it on my investigation techniques. Infiltrating some radical fucking group that they not even sure about. Now, the only way I could, I could push their fucking wig back, unless I just tell them I'm out of here. But I'm not going to bust my ass. You got me waking up 5 o'clock in the fucking morning chasing a fucking ghost. Answer the phone. Hello. Hey, I see you. You see me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Look at her. <laughs> Just like his dad. His teeth fell out? Yeah. Oh, it's growing back though, right? Yeah. Uh oh. You're okay. I love you. Hey. And living this type of life, man, you lose out on a lot of shit, man. Family life, your social life. Do you think your present right now is in any way related to your past? What I've done in the past, I don't even like to bring it back up. I really don't. You know, even if you try to bounce back, even to make amends for the things you may have done. Gotta deal with it, man. Gotta deal with it. Gotta deal with it.
I was a revolutionary, revolutionary activist. Black Robin Hood. I was with a certain crew that was uh, setting up certain institutions to be uh, appropriated for our cause. Postal service, banks, New York City Transit. Right, so all we did was just expropriate it back to the people, the masses. We used to, you know, drop off a few money and stuff at the mosque, you know. Wouldn't tell them where we, where we got it from, you know what I mean? I hung out with a lot of transit cops, court officers and all that. I did that for the purpose of them assuming that I was one of them. Then all my shit just crumbled down when I got... I got caught out there and got arrested. Yeah, I was charged with grand larceny, impersonation of New York City transit cop, possession of weapons. When were you first approached by the FBI? Oh, I was approached, man, when I was arrested. So the guy said, okay, we tell you what. Here's our card. You need something, you let us know. Now, you want to make a deal? You're facing 20 years right now as it is. And I said, damn, 20 fucking years in the feds. So I said, fuck it. I called him in. Assets. Once they're arrested, once they're arrested, they work for them. And like he said, if you're a convict or if you're a felon, they'll drop you faster than anything. So one thing that we must realize coming into 2023, and I am also victim of it. I do this and I shouldn't. We criticize others. I do it all the time. It's this evil side of me of vengeance that comes out because that's what really drives me is vengeance. Vengeance that I believed, vengeance that this, but it all comes down to egotism. We must pay close attention to everything we do and struggle to uproot the ferocious beast of egotism that eats away at us. Our ego, when it erupts within us, we become enraged. We criticize, we make demands, we curse we humiliate others. It's, it's a beast. I struggle with it all the time. This beast is what impels us to, to criticize. It compels us to criticize. It, in, it inflates us with the idea that we have accomplished great things and that we're good, that we possess virtues and thousands of other things the origin of all good things is none of that. It's humility. Conversely, the origin of all evils is egotism. When I speak about another person out of sympathy, not with the intention of criticizing, blaming, and humiliating them, because, you know, that you only do that when your inflated egotism is there. But if I speak about another person with sympathy and a genuine concern for them, for an example, let's say that um, 
Well, I, I don't want to give an example because then it'll sound like criticism when it's not. But labeling someone evil um, and an egotist and humiliating them in front of others is also a sin. And I am a sinner. I do this a lot because that ferocious beast, which is stemmed in egotism, right, in your ego, mine is fueled by vengeance. So I would say that I've, I've amplified that and I find the source of it and I'm aware of it, which is the first step of eliminating it. Why am I telling you this? Today's show, which is supposed to be for New Year's, but tomorrow's, is going to be really devastating for people to see people that they've loved um, in a different light. People that you thought simply suffered in a different light. It's about seeing things differently. See, someone will be like, oh my gosh, Akbar is going to go down. I actually feel sorry for him. You know, he, he was a gay black man. His dad was an asset for the CIA. He's got this cover story of being adopted. His mom's an attorney that does all his attorney work. which you never hear about her. And um, he was robbing. Right, His mom's a lawyer and he's doing credit card fraud. And then he gets pimped out to be a prostitute. And obviously liking young boys means that he was affected by that too. And so I actually feel sorry for him I guess the more things that enrage me about him is him defiling the word of the Lord and then it's like who are you to defend it Tori you're right so yeah I will feel sad when things go down a lot of people I do get evil and nasty when my vengeance kicks in and I regret doing that because you know what this guy is saying and what you're going to hear, right, are things that you've probably heard from me on another level. He's just working internally. You know, him watching his kids grow, you know, lose their teeth on a call. I saw comments. Oh, you know, we heard this from someone else. You know, you got to be really careful. Manufactured entities exist. This guy's the real deal. And the only reason the FBI agreed to give him this documentary because, you know, the Obama administration needed that in order to amplify the shut up, don't talk bad about Muslims thing. And then give that, oh, my gosh, so they're not bad. You just arrested all these people because you set them up. It was all part of a narrative. And I want you to think of just how many people around America right now are doing the same job this guy's doing domestically next door to you, you know, hanging out with you at PTA meetings, maybe in your freedom groups. They lurk and they wait. Like you said, it's about intention, right? What is your intention? Stay true to what you believe, to your intentions. You love your country, love that shit and don't stop. But the minute you start talking violence or doing this and that, you're done. Again, I bring the example that I brought up with DHS visiting one guy, but not visiting me, considering I went to the school board meetings, I shouted, even filed lawsuits. Two differences. Predictive analytics can actually tell you who will commit crimes, and predictive analytics can also tell you who will fail at their assignments. And sometimes they set people up as informants unknowingly, 
unknowingly, completely unknowingly, because you could be handled by someone that you think is your friend. Just like you said, he was friends with the guy. So they set you up, right, to look like, oh, okay, I'm watching. No, they're not doing anything bad. They're not doing it until that one point that the friend makes this. It's just, oh, that's a lot of money. And you could be in the need, and you'll be like, yeah, let's rob a bank. And then it's like, whoop, there come the cups. Please. In 2023, no matter how much evil, and I see a lot of people hang them, this, that, we need to um, have a little bit of understanding to recognize remorse, to recognize remorse. We don't recognize remorse. Those that are remorseless, well, you know, they're, they're victims at their own hands. Let's continue this. So yeah, what, what you want to speak on, man? After World Trade Center, they felt that certain Muslim communities domestically was involved I had to know blind shape that I was part of the security detail. So they felt that I knew the routine, which I didn't really. So how often would they come and ask you for intelligence? Oh, it'd be like three times a week. So I was their boy all the way until the time I came out. I got a call. He said, look, we're going to come by and talk. I said, okay. I opened the door. He came in. He had another agent with him. They asked me to come with them full time. This wasn't no recruitment shit. Sign up, you know, say welcome aboard, you know. This was clandestine shit, you know. COVID operation bullshit, you know, it exists. You know what I mean? Truthfully speaking, y'all got him thinking that he's He's like the top-notch terrorist around here, that he, he just can't be touched. He's untouchable. But in reality, he ain't nothing. He ain't, he ain't going nowhere. I've never been around a target that steals petty. I mean, being Muslim at that, that's, that's not acceptable. I mean, that's petty. Okay, all right, bye. I'm not feeling this, man. This is the first time I ever felt like this. As long as I've been doing this work, I never felt this. So your instinct says this one just isn't right? Not right that he'd do me bodily harm, but because it's unpredictable. He ain't the brightest, but he ain't the dumbest either. <clears throat> All right, you ready? Yeah. My name is uh, Khalifa Alakili from Pittsburgh. In, uh, 19... 91, I accepted Islam, took Shahada. What was the religion that you were born into? Well, we're, we're all born Muslim, but uh, I was raised Protestant. Islam teaches us how to rectify our inner self, which the Prophet Muhammad said is the greatest jihad. The word jihad is simply means struggle. 
And the greatest jihad that every believer, man and woman will go through is that inner struggle against our lower bestial desires. The more things that we do as Muslims, the more of a closer relationship that we can have with our Creator. Turn this up. He was always talking about the cause, the cause, the cause, you know, and you know, some guys pray, other guys fight. ASA, which means Asalaamu Alaikum, Brother K, check this movie, it's a series called Homeland, about terrorists, right? Which I actually did, and I actually enjoyed it, but yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, he had, but, but, but it was like, it was to help him talk about that topic. I was coming back from the store, and Sharif's truck came around the corner. So I waved at him, and uh, he stops the truck, and the passenger side opens up. They bum rush it. The bureau brings in another CHS. What is CHS? Just a confidential human source. Name turns out to be Muhammad. All I was supposed to do was introduce him to Khalifa. Just let him know. Yo, I have an individual Muslim coming in. He's a recruiter for the Taliban, or he's a recruiter for the Al-Qaeda. You know, he's a good brother. You know, maybe y'all should meet. Short and simple. Before I could even introduce the fucking dude to the fucking POI, the motherfucker was jumping out my car already just to meet him. I'm like, what the fuck? The guy got out and he came up to me, gave me the greeting, assalamu alaikum, kissed me on both cheeks. And I swear to you, when I walked away from that situation, I walked away feeling like I just played a part in some Hollywood terrorist movie that I just met like the leader of some terrorist organization. Actually, right there on the spot, he wanted to go have some coffee or sit down with me. And uh, I told him, no, you know, I still have to go uh, visit my mother. And I'm actually on my way there and get ready to catch the bus to go there. You know, I, I walked away. He got back in the truck. They still wanted me to proceed. I told him, man, I feel right going into that man's house, man, and crying. What's up? Knowing that he just finished telling me that more than 20 minutes ago, he was at his mother's house. Oh, well, uh, t tell him that uh, uh, Muhammad got a card for his mother and, and, and uh, everything gonna be all right. So we didn't realize you did. We just heard some noise at the door, so we knocked. So I said, really? Really? I said, that sounds real deep undercover, huh? Real deep. I said, I'm not gonna feel too comfortable with that, but I'm gonna do it anyway. But I'm letting y'all know, when you fuck up, don't come at me and say that it was my fault. I ain't hearing it. Next thing I know, it was the front door. He hit a code on a keypad at the entrance to coming into the building, and, and I had it set up to ring to myself. You know, I've never had any visitors just pop up at my apartment, you know, unannounced, so I, I answered it. And As I believe it was me, Sharif. Sharif, he said, who, 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 who? It was Sharif. Sharif was saying, oh, I'm here with Muhammad, and... We figured that, you know, we'd, yeah, we'd come and see you and sit down with you and spend some time. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not at home. I lied to him and said, I'm not at home. It was so clear that I didn't want to meet these guys. Like, seriously, like, I literally made up excuse after excuse after excuse. The next morning, walked up here to the corner, and that's when, uh, you know, quote-unquote, Muhammad came from around the corner. It's, you know, just appeared out of nowhere. You know, he had his hotel downtown Pittsburgh, 
and yet he was here in Wilkinsburg at 9.30 in the morning without no car, no vehicle. He just so happened to have that card from our mother on him. I reluctantly agreed to go to McDonald's and, and, and uh, you know, have some coffee with him. The morning that, uh, that we all came in here, we actually sat at this, this first booth right here, and that's whenever he began to talk about uh, his people being involved in jihad and whatnot and fighting. This was the location that we sat down and had the coffee with him. So we exchanged numbers, and actually that morning he drove me home. After that, I didn't hear anything from him. Know what that means, Taliban? Oh, yeah? It means student, student of knowledge. Ain't nothing wrong with them, brother. Okay. The wearing of the turban been in existence thousands of years before the Taliban was even formulated in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Oh, okay. Alhamdulillah. Actually, Allah is just an Arabic name for God. It's like my third time. You can no longer message, you tell something to learn more. See, he said, all right, you can no longer. So that means he don't want to correspond with me. See, that's, these motherfuckers, they fucked up. Watch this, and I'm going to call these motherfuckers and let, and let them know. Yo, Jay, I don't know what's going on. He didn't block me from the knife. He knew that was me. All right, okay. All right, later. You know, then they fucked up that. I'm not even going to deal with that. Let them, let them deal with the headaches. Just take a fucking handgun and just put it somewhere and say, yo, y'all calling the locals, have the locals grab right now. Boom, he got a gun. And yeah, it's all over with. But they don't want to do it that way. And I told him, I said, I'm not here to entrap nobody. They trying to make me force this dude into saying something to support terrorism. I said, the dude is not a fucking terrorist, man. He's not even a pseudo-terrorist. He's nothing but an oxymoron. I said, what y'all been doing for the last three years? Y'all ain't seen nothing? If y'all ain't seen nothing, what y'all expect me to see? Y'all wrong my bell? Oh, yeah. Huh? Sorry. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to get you something next month, okay? Sure. All right? All right, tell your mommy I said hello. Nobody rings my bell. I don't expect you. I know I don't expect to make you. I don't have company here. When that bell ring, I'm on my P's and Q's. And believe it or not, if I think you're a threat to me, I will liquidate you with extreme prejudice. <coughs> I honestly believe 
if that incident, if that guy that that the agent uh, Rob and them brought up, if he wouldn't have did what they did, believe me, this thing could have went a little further. Right? Yeah, he sensed things, so I don't. I shouldn't have to wait for him to even even if it came to exposing me, and I don't want to be putting that that situation. So I definitely have to stay under the the radar to a certain extent. But that dude ain't gonna bust a grape. He ain't gonna throw rice at a wedding. Believe me. You know, he's just, you know, I'll, eventually y'all may get him on something else. <laughs> Maybe tax fraud, <laughs> cross, crossing state lines, <laughs> you know. But I think it's just the bureau gonna have to take a different approach at him. May have to go at him hardcore and just get him for the hell of it, you know what I mean? Black ball trick. Okay. Alright. I'll talk to you later. Alright, later. I'm out of here. Right now I'm looking at a projection of me being with my fucking son. Sharif left me alone in his truck. He and uh, when he did that, there was a letter sitting on the dashboard from the welfare office. So I picked it up and I snapped a picture of it. Because I knew he was FBI. Wanted to know who this guy was. And his real name is uh, Saeed S. Torres. Come on, Sheba. Come on. This was a guy who used to email me all the time, Shiva. call me, you know, let's go out for coffee, I'll pick Stay. you up. But a lot of that slowed down dramatically after he introduced me to this quote-unquote Muhammad. I put his phone number through Google. Anyone should be rewarded for the things they do. That's him. Either by Allah or by the organization that does these things. Muhammad. He was an informant for the FBI, and his real name is Shahid Hussein. I felt that I was almost obligated to expose these guys. Shiva, 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 go, go, please. I sent out an email very blatantly to the subject, FBI informants. There's hundreds of people on this email list. I told anybody, if anybody wants to question me about this, they can do so. Sharif. He's gone. He's moved out completely, like out of the clear blue. So that that is when they figure out that someone is gone and something is happening. But the whole point of this today is to show you your social media. When it first started was always an operation. Fake profile pictures, fake everything. I mean, I've said it so many times before. Most of my life was manufactured by them using my actual identity. I created my own to expose them. And that was how I took back my identity, me, being me, by being honest. And that's the thing. The one thing that I say uh, multiple times, you know, like even for Milo, Milo, you shouldn't have lied when you're coming back, you know, about the whole MTG thing, right? He could have just stuck to it. That's where he messed up. I'm pretty sure he didn't know Ali and Nick Fuentes. Well, he didn't know that Nick Fuentes at all was like flanking. Yay. Remember, Nick Fuentes knew that Ali has a history of predating on children. And like he said in his own text, He's the gatekeeper. I got to roll with it. I want you guys to comprehend what this is telling you and what this is showing you. 
the ugly side is coming out in 2023. There will be wins and there will be losses. But boy, it is the year of ours. This is going to be quite a revelation. And remember, the people that put this documentary together were all supposed Democrats. Let's finish this off. Public with it the way you have and notifying everybody is, is the best way to head it off. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. exactly. The more people that know it, then it's not a mystery. Yeah. Now people come up with Right. Y'all exposed me. Y'all put me on the goddamn line and left me out there hanging dry. Initially, when I did this contract with y'all, if I didn't feel right about something, I wouldn't go through it. But yet, y'all forced my hand to go through it. You exposed me one time already, and I lost all my friends out of New York. I lost everybody I grew up with and everything because of your bullshit. First saved message. Received March 9th at 4.50 p.m. Hey, Jay. Once you send that last text, and uh, why don't you go like this? Hey, Lisa, I don't know who you've been talking to or exactly what you've been saying about me, but got around. People came to my work today But you see what I'm saying? I'm heading home. And you see what they still answer me? Go to the fucking limbs. Let my fucking bones cribble. I got a meeting with um, my attorney. Well, I'm hoping that today the lawyer will be able to assist me in giving me some advice on what I need to do to protect myself and to protect my family in, in the case that something was to happen to me, that I was to be snatched off the street. Think of anything else unusual that's happened within the last year. People following you. Just yesterday, me and my wife went to Jamil's Global Village in East Liberty. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as I walked in there, like not even a minute later, this guy walks in. He's on a Nextel's phone. And uh, there's some clothing like directly in front of the door. He came in and he felt the sleeve of one of the clothes. And he's like, oh, this is this is nice material. And then Rafiq joking with him actually rubbed on his shirt. And so you got a nice shirt on, too. And it was so clear that this man had a, a bulletproof vest on. For some reason, they're just attracted to you. I don't think anything's going to happen for a while. Based on what you've told me, it would be hard for them to indict you right now, based on what, you, what we think they know. But they might, they might try. If, if they do come to your house, they'll come you know, late at night or early in the morning. Right. Um, the fact that they haven't already arrested me they um, obviously don't really have anything on me, and so they're, they're still trying. But you never know, you know. Just you never know. As far as I know, I mean, the law knows best, but I haven't seen anyone following me today. Why do we have to live in fear? Why does my family have to live in fear 
every day now. Whenever I walk out, my wife's wondering, you know, is her husband going to return? You know, I have a nine-month-old baby, and, and my wife now, like, she don't have no family in this country at all. So if something happens to me, you know, where does that leave my family? He told friends he wanted to join the Taliban and die like a martyr, but he ran from the FBI. The Pittsburgh FBI SWAT team, though, took him down moments later in front of his Wilkinsburg apartment. And now the feds tonight are looking to see just what level of anti-American he might be. Ali Al-Akili, also known as James Marvin Thomas Jr., was in possession of jihadist literature and literature on the U.S. military and its tactics, and that he promoted guerrilla violence against the U.S. armed forces. Now, tonight there is no hard evidence, according to the uh, feds, that the suspect took any action against the United States. But this investigation of this suspect and his friends is far from over. Project Salam received this email from uh, Khalifa in which he identified two informers, Shahid Hussein and Said Torres. He decided to hold a press conference. On Thursday, the day before, the FBI arrested him. And what did they arrest him on? On a gun charge. The gun charge was apparently based on the fact that he had gone to a public shooting range and made a video of it, which he posted on his Facebook. And it has been on his page for at least six months. And why time it to be exactly the day that he says, I'm going to go to a press conference and I'm going to explain that I don't want to be involved in any terrorism act and I wish the FBI would stop trying to press me into it. If the mosque comes to the FBI and says we suspect this person, is the FBI under any obligation to say yeah, that that's an informant? Just on the, the narrow legal question, the Bureau has no legal requirement to tell either the targets of investigations or anyone related to them about informants. What's interesting here, it's also never told Congress about the standards under which it actually sends people to do this work, which has really impeded any opportunity for oversight. The FBI routinely uses informants to contrive cases and criminalize First Amendment protected activity, and this is the same pattern that emerges in case after case after case. 
perjury. You may be guilty, but you know what? Of talking. In the whole thing, there was nothing about any weapons, no bomb, nothing, nothing. Talk. You want to wear those sneakers or your other sneakers? You want to wear those? This was all because of his uh, child support payment. They had Tariq owing seventy or eighty thousand dollars. They knew that he was struggling. Who were they? Uh, Saeed knew that he was struggling with his payments. I'm still making child support payment for him, and he's in prison. He felt desperate. He said. I'll do anything. That's when they said we got him. Now you want to explain to him that since he feels so down, stuff you got some people that will help him. And he started saying he'll do desperate things, and that's all they wanted him to say. If you knew how everything would have turned out, both for you and for Tariq, would you have done anything differently? No. I'm not in control of this. They're in control of it. Who are they? The agents, man. Come on. Don't play with no word games with me. Who else is they? Who else I'm speaking of? This is not something new that is happening. I mean, these are things that Malcolm used to talk about in the 60s. He used to just always say, be very careful of who you're speaking to because I know that there are FBI informants that are Muslims. The Quran says to enjoin good, not to solicit or not to coerce and to do the wrong. That's a major violation of Quranic teachings, you know, to encourage people to do wrong. And that's what he was doing. One of his fears is that someone in this mosque may have issued a fatwa against him. No, Saeed, he knows better. But nobody put a fatwa on Saeed. Nobody. I seen him personally at, at one of the uh, African street festivals. I just stayed away from him. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from... Policeman. Goodbye. I've been unemployed, you know, been kind of rough. The local jobs here, for some reason, seem like they just want their own kind. I don't see too many Irish bars hiring any black cooks, you know. Other than that, I have no other resources and telling you how I'm going to try to maintain this family. When's the last time you heard from someone in the Bureau? been a while, months. And I should have never, you know, even even considered dealing with them. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, 
It's chaotic. I don't have words for it at this moment. I really don't. I believe because of what happened in Pittsburgh, I'm getting all kind of shit rolled down on me. You know? But if Khalifa was arrested, wasn't Pittsburgh a success? No. Why not? Because it was not what they wanted him for. Rough life, man. Rough life. Sometimes I think I don't, I don't know if I made the right decision or what. I should really, really hate him. But you know why I don't? Because the old folks say, what you reap, you will sow. And with all that he's done to my family and somebody else's family, he may be physically out of jail, but mentally he's not. So I don't think that I would want to be in his place right now. I gotta get my shit together, man. I've been so fucking depressed, man. I've never been this way before. I need to get a little more active, be a little more involved with my child. The correct way. Start reading with him. Give it six minutes. Let's smoke a joint, man. all on the government. Trying to be a good fucking citizen. Look what happened. Fucking Muslim, I can't even go to the mosque. Ain't that a bitch? Because the fucking mosque I can go to, you already infiltrated and did me on the news and everything else. And my name is up there, so how the fuck I'm gonna pray? You violate my consciousness right now. You prevented me from going into the mosque. Because of my actions. God used to work out in New York office. It's something in the making. Because only if I was interested in an assignment, that's enough. Would I be interested in going down there to do some work? I said, yeah. I could use the money. They get ready to make a case. Where I fit in there, I don't know, see what I'm saying? So they must need my expertise because they always remember who they work with. They say, oh, I call Saeed, oh, Saeed can... Yeah, he's, he's the man for this one. Tell you the truth, I got over five, six motherfucking convictions that they got, they, they worked on, they worked, and they got it. So that's just another episode you have to wait for. That's another part of the story, see what I'm saying? Real juicy part. So this story is never ending. Another terror case. Two men under arrest in a terror plot trying to detonate a car bomb. Thousand pounds worth of explosives caught thanks to an FBI informant. The plot was uncovered by an informant. The informant was fake. It was a sting. The FBI setting up. Terrorist attack. 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 Terror
prior felony conviction. He was sentenced to eight years. His wife and daughter evicted from public housing the day of his arrest and deported eight months later to the United Kingdom. Tariq Shah is scheduled to be released in 2018. Saeed never received a follow-up call from the FBI about the case in Redacted. He's currently still working with them. The FBI did not respond to a request for comment. Of course not. And that, my friends, is how you manufacture consent and domestic terror. Now, I want you guys to think back to 2015 when President Trump announced that he was going to run. A barrage of operations were deployed against the people. And a barrage of people who thought they were smart deployed operations on the operations to counter the operations. But then they had counter operations and there was another counter operation and our cyberspace. And you wouldn't believe this, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Our cyberspace doesn't have that many warm bodies. They're not meat computers. They're actual computers. There are so many informants. It's ridiculous. They were tasked to sequester people. They would amplify their message to keep them on task with what they wanted them to do. How many of them were willing and how many unwilling? Well, tomorrow, we're going to look at an unwilling and unknowing, well, until a point, asset. This is what the government does. And you're going to be like, well, the FBI agents know this. Ah, it's the senior executive service that you need to focus on. Your SESs, they're the ones that create such scenarios. And again, just like you saw the asset there, he was pissed. He was underpaid. They ruined his life. You know, I did this for you. And even though it didn't have the outcome you wanted, you dropped me like a hat. Look at all the people on social media that are kind of complaining about the same thing, but not really. They're just telling you that they were maligned. They will shout from the mountaintops how they were duped and their targets are now the bad people and they were always good. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. What? (laughs) Oh, but it does. So today you saw a willing and knowing participant. He was an asset that knew and willingly did it. How many around you are willing assets? How many of them around you? We need a narrative. We need a lot of people arrested. I mean, there were how many FBI agents to get this one guy that was a little bit sideways to go kidnap governor in Michigan? Or then the other people that went and got themselves arrested saying that they did it for patriotism. Bullshit. This is how they infect you. Now, I'm going to take it back to back in the day when a big star arose. A lot of media went behind him and everyone rose up. This was a counterintel operation, but it was it was very important. If you notice, all the digital red stringers had created their little high school lunchroom table where they had all thumped each other. Then this one guy in Minnesota bounced off. I forget his name. I met him in Fargo. It escapes me now. Who then decided, no, I'm not doing this anymore. It was something of 
he had like, he was a really good boy. Um, I met him and I thought, oh man, you went down that route. I'm so sorry. But you know, people do a lot of things for money. You'll be very surprised. Self-preservation is egotism, right? And we like to self-preserve either our, our, our pride, our money, our home, our job, right? But anyway, a counter intel operation was deployed and then we saw the arrest of Austin Seinbart. No one spoke about it. Now, did I agree with everything he said? Absolutely not. Did I think he was who he said he was? Fuck no. But the bottom line is, he got arrested and they had bullshit charges and threw him in a federal prison. And no one spoke up. He was being detained indefinitely for no reason until they felt like it. And they had thought, see, that's the problem. They had thought the counter intel operation thought that they had broken the mold of the first counter intel operation against their operations, right? And so now he's out and look at what's surrounding him. All the fat assets, the failed ones are all flocking to that. And, you know, they tap into personalities that have um, egos, that think they're smarter than everyone else, better than everyone else, that they know best. And it isn't until you see that little glimmer of their true selves that you realize, oh, wait, these people are really not good. Like a lot of people do things that are dumb, that sound, you know, oh my God, how could you say that, right? And it's completely unintentional, then you know when it's really wrong. And it was exactly the same thing with J6. There was an operation. Someone that wanted to be, there were people that wanted to literally be the heroes. And it's like, dude, you can't complete this cycle of life. The seven years aren't up yet. Mathematically accurate. I'll tell you, so you understand, this will be the day after tomorrow show. But I'll give you a glimpse into it. I've talked about circadian rhythms. I've talked about cycles so many times, right? There are cycles that you cannot break. And they are so accurate, it's ridiculous. So accurate. And we're going to talk about that the day after tomorrow. A lot of people say that our history is broken up into like 20 years. Why? Because every 80 years, our, our new history, our new modern times are uh, begin at the end of wars. So like, you know, in 1781, when the Revolutionary War ended, you know, you know, that's when a high period of the nation began and then the crisis happened and there was a civil war in 1861. And then, uh, you know, this is how you know your history when you actually understand it and you understand the cycles, you know. And then in 1865, it was the end of the civil war. So then a new missionary generation began and then it went on until the end of World War II. Then a new, uh, you know, group of visionaries came out. And, you know, uh, that ended with the World War II, air quote, victory, right? And it was led by our boomers. Who are our boomers? Our Jobses and all those people. And then our Gen Xers, which are our Musks and you. And the Gen Xers are... The awakening portion of the cycle. See, it happens every 11.48 years. So there's like 11 point, the first 11.48 years are 
simply to settle into after the end of a crisis. So you go into this trough where you start building. And when you're building, because you're booming because you're building, you get to the peak. And that's the awakening. Gen X is the awakening. And believe it or not, your fucking heroes are the millennials. And that's people, you know, the Gen Xers are 1961 to 1981, but millennials are also 1977 Two, you know, I know a lot of people like to change the dates, but our millennials, they say, are 1982 to 2003. I can tell you that they're from like 1977 to about 2004. And those people are going to be the heroes of this damn story. The Gen Xers are the ones that are waking them up. You know, Elon's a Gen Xer. You're a Gen Xer. I'm a Gen Xer. Those are the people that are in that transition two-decade period. It's a two-decade, 11.48 years. It is so accurate. Like, I talk about predictive analytics. You know, obviously, it goes wayside. Time travel is quantum predictive analytics. You can do with what you want on that. But I am telling you right now, ever since 2009, we have been in the crisis period. And it ends in 2028 with the cusp of the ending in 2026. And I hope people understand what I'm trying to say so that you can see it for yourself. There's no point in me hogging that information. It's not going to make me, you know, give me a title and tiara. There's no nation to stand on. We need the people to understand this better than anyone. So today you saw a willing and knowing asset intertwining with society, befriending. He told you how he did it. He embedded the society. Remember, there's a lot of people that embedded your groups even online, wherever you have them. Either that be on Telegram or Facebook. But just remember once again, they used Facebook in the early 2000s to create profiles. Not everyone is who they seem. Not everyone exists. Not everyone is there. That's the way it is. We need to understand that a lot of the people that have been propped up out of fucking nowhere are simply that, assets. Okay? It's pretty simple. It's not, you know, whatever. And, you know, we'll get to, you know, the whole gist of the after tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a sad show. Sad show. I'm going to let you know on the time because I have to go give some blood for my surgery next week. So um, I'm trying to coordinate that, you know, after not to be delayed again like I was today. Um, but I'm, you know, I've got that surgery next Friday. So I'm trying to see if it's um, something we can let me see. Hold on a second, you guys. <laughs> Well, I'll post on Telegram, so I apologize for the disruption. It's not like they're being very kind about the fact that I want my own blood and I don't want vaccinated. It's like I'm going through, like, serious um, accuracy things. I want to make sure it's not swapped and where it's going, chain of custody. I'm, you know, they, they two, two bags of mine were, like, uh, miscustodied, so I've deleted them. And so now that I've got the document that says... Um, that my blood type is completely different from O negative. Hopefully that'll help too, you know. Then they asked me what religion. I said, why are you, I'm insulted and offended that you're asking my religion that requires me to use my own blood. And, <laughs> you know, how do you respond to something like that? How do you respond to something like that? Like, no, um, that's not how it works. 
And if you can't have my blood, I will not take any blood and I'd rather bleed out and die. How's that? Um, that's my religion and that's the way it goes. So, um, even though my, um, my, my doc says that it's a bloodless one, you know, shit always goes wrong. And considering them, uh, I'm hypotensive, hypotensive, meaning I have low blood pressure, you know, it could be a doozy. Maybe I'll just have a lot of salt the day before, right? But, um, yeah, they misappropriate it. And they said, well, what's your religion? Do you have a letter from your pastor? I see, I took a paper and I said, her religion finished. He goes, that's not, what are you doing? And I was like, why are you probing? I can pray to anything. Would you like me to bring you a statue, an icon, what will convince you? And that's the thing. <laughs> I said, my religion, what's it called? My religion. I'm not doing this. But anyway, having said that, tomorrow will be a sad episode because you guys are going to see someone that went through hell unknowingly at first, but then knowingly, you know, when they target your kids, you're going to sell out your nation and you're going to sell out people like nobody's business. So it's going to be an interesting one. And you'll be like, no, you're going to see it. It's going to be a good show. It's real history with a 40,000 foot view. Might not be very nice. But before we go, let's look at this one minute video from this guy that wears a diaper. I shouldn't laugh because when I was bleeding, I had to wear one too. But let's just remember that he wears a diaper every day. Why should we pay more attention to you than to the other 159,999 things I got stacked over here? And so what's the hook? Second language, life experience, success in, in whatever it is you're doing, foreign travel, living in a foreign country, mastering a foreign language, showing a comfort level, living in a foreign culture. All those kinds of things kind of make you percolate to, to the top. We go to college fairs. Uh, we, we go to uh, Arab American Week up in Dearborn, Michigan. have a big tent up there where we talk to Americans of Arab descent. We recruit just like any other enterprise. In addition, we've got a lot of people who self-identify, who, who say that they want to be part of the Central Intelligence Agency. My last full year as director, which would have been 2008, we had 160,000 Americans make genuine applications to CIA. And I'm not talking about clicking on the website. I mean going through all that very intrusive paperwork to make themselves eligible for employment with us. <laughs> yeah, and all the other countries' agencies knew that too. So they made deals with Facebook and created Facebook profiles. They created the same footprints you did, you idiots. And you got penetrated too just to have these globalist idiots within your midst. Ha ha. And you know what? I actually wrote a report on that. So anyway, um, you know, maybe it will be declassified in like a hundred years. But I just thought I would, you know, put that out there. So on that note, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening. Um, mine is going to be spent. Well, it was supposed to be voiceovering, but my voice, as you can tell, is harsh. I was not feeling too good today. Not sick, just feeling a little bit. I think I was stressed out. So. You know when I'm stressed, I sing. And yeah, my vocal cords, I have polyps on them. Not very good. Um, with the whole singing loud music, like, you know, stuff. So, <laughs> you know what? You want to know what kind of 
Let's see. This one. I'm going to give you a mashup, though. I think I have one of those. If you're raging, you're going to listen to Papa Roach. Let's go. God bless.